Welcome to the Do Hard Things podcast with your host, Jay Teagues. Are you ready to amplify and improve your life? Then you're in the right place. On this podcast, we have unfiltered conversations with inspiring people who take on challenges and are here to share with us their wisdom from their journey. We talk about how doing hard things enable all of us to adequately deal with life struggles and challenges and to ultimately improve the quality of our lives. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Do Hard Things podcast. I'm your host, Jay Teagues, high performance coach, leadership speaker. And in today's podcast, I have the honor and privilege of having a great conversation with Dale Walls, who's also a certified high performance coach. Dale and I crossed paths at the high performance recertification week, and we immediately hit it off. We were in a small group, and he was instantly talking about how he just recently finished up the, the Goggins 4x4x48, which I had accomplished uh, about a year ago. And then he also talked about his background in the Marine Corps. I'm like, okay, I got to catch, catch up with this guy. And uh, yeah, we talked offline. Had a great conversation, and uh, we've been in contact ever since, and uh, he graciously decided to come on my podcast, and he's launching his podcast too, and I was uh, his uh, his first guest. So a little bit about Dale. At age of 17, Dale was lost in life without a lot of purpose and direction. He was a child of a broken home and was living in his grandmother's basement, and uh, one day he got in a fight, and he got uh, stitched up, and uh, his uh, you know his grandmother had asked him to, uh, to go to uh, check out this this week-long boot camp hosted by the American Legion, which was, you know, run by the United States Marine Corps. And uh, he didn't know much about the military, but that interaction with the United States Marine Corps got him fired up and set him on a lifelong path in leadership and high performance. Dale enlisted the United States Marine Corps, became a, a sergeant, and uh, he returned to a small town after a after successful enlistment where he founded an IT service called Corsica Technologies. And Corsica became one of the top providers in the United States. As CEO, Dale led Corsica to generate revenues up to eight figures and numerous acquisitions. Dale ultimately sold the company and founded Lion's Guide, and now he spends his days fulfilling his passion to help others learn high performance and leadership. We have a great conversation, so without further ado, let's get into the interview with Dale Walls. Dale, thank you for taking the time to come out here today. Just, uh, I guess... How I met you, what, I, I met you not all that long ago, probably no. maybe a month ago. It's been about a month. It's been about about that. Yeah, a few weeks for sure. Yeah, I was at the, certifi- I was at the uh, uh, Certified High Performance Coaching Recertification. It was my first recertification. And what they do during that week of training is that it's all online and uh, they had us in a breakout room. And uh, I was fortunate to be in a small room one morning, probably the second or third day of training. And Dale was in there and uh, we were just kind of introducing ourselves. And Dale, like, it was just like, I'm a former Marine. He said, do hard things like three times, I think in his, ep- in his introduction, he was talking about doing the four by four by 48 challenge. I'm like, okay, this guy's my people. And uh, I reached out to you later and uh, we had a great conversation. You told me about your time in the Marine Corps, uh, some of the successes you've had in uh, corporate America. And now you're a fellow certified high performance coach. And uh, just so if you wouldn't mind, just go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and um, we'll, we'll dive in and tease out some high performance habits that you execute in your daily life. So who are you? Who am I? Well, uh, yeah, my story is weird. You know, uh, I'm just I, I try to tell people because my thing is, you know, I'm just like anybody else. There's nothing special about me. You know, I've, I've had 
uh, you know, a lot of success in life, but I started just like everyone else. Does. I mean, I'm from a small town, you know, when I was growing up, you know, I joke today, I say I grew up in Mayberry, you know, there's, there's a couple thousand people in my town growing up, everybody knew who my mom and dad was. And, you know, it was a, a community that, you know, uh, it, it takes a village to raise a child type of thing where, you know, me and my buddies from the neighborhood were up, you know, cutting up in town, you know, the barber would be like, Hey, get out of here, you know, I'll call your dad or whatever, you know, and so, you know, I, I feel like I was real privileged to kind of grow up in a small town. Um, and uh, but the thing about growing up in a small town, you know, you, you are kind of limited. You know, people kind of fall in this this rut, you know, the small town rut. You know, they follow the, the blueprint of, of their parents and and so on. And, um, you know, and I, I did that, you know, getting into high school. I was, you know, the cut up, you know, I was, you know, following a path of my mom, and dad, like, hey, I'm you know, they didn't go to college. I'm not going to college. So what do I care about school for? You know, cutting school, causing trouble, whatever. And, um, you know, and uh, I fell into the Marine Corps. I was just, uh, you know, after some trouble in my, you know, junior year, um, you know, got in a fight after school and, and my mom and dad split when I was young. I think I was in the second grade or whatever when my, when my dad left or whatever. And so I grew up in, you know, with my mother, uh, I lived in my grandmother's attic, you know, my, my, uh, you know, my formidable years, if you will. Um, and, uh, I remember, so, you know, and my mom had me young, I, I think, you know, she was 18, she had me. So she was, she was young dealing with this high school kid. She's still trying to figure herself out in life, you know, probably as well in her twenties. And, uh, I never forget, like I was there, I was getting stitched up in the hospital and, uh, she's got tears in her eyes and she's like, Hey, you know, uh, we had gotten this letter in the mail for, about boy state and boy states, American Legion put on, you know, camp for a week. And, uh, we got in this letter, you know, it's for seniors, like going into senior year. And she goes, uh, will you, will you go do that, that boy state, you know, kind of with a tear in her eye. And I'm, I just had a freaking Novocaine needle on my freaking face. So I wasn't feeling too hot about my situation either. So I was like, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And, uh, uh, you know, I got there and I didn't know it was like run by Marines and I didn't know what a Marine was then, you know, young, dumb and, and stupid. I, you know, I was just thought everybody was army GI Joe, you know, whatever. And, uh, get there, figure out what a Marine was. They kind of put us through a boot camp with a bunch of other, you know, soon to be seniors in high school. And, uh, and I was like, man, here we go. You know, that's, that's what I want to do. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like anyone, in my family was military or anything. It was just like, I, you know, I had, kind of spent the last few years like being on the wrong path with no direction and and feeling the result of it. Then I just went and got checked in by a, you know, a corporal running our squad, if you will, and you know, off to the races from there. No, that's outstanding. So very similar situation. I grew up in a small town, broken home, and I knew that the military was, was my pathway out of this situation. I, I didn't know that I, no one in my family went to college. I didn't have the aspiration. I didn't think I had the grades or the work ethic to do it. And I needed to make that bridge to to the military, and and I did get involved in running and cross country, and that having that coach raised my ambition, enabled me to to keep me focused on my grades, so I could make the transition to the military. And then once I was in, it was like off to the races from there. So it's uh, I, I didn't I didn't know that that uh, that you had came from a similar situation. So yeah, uh, yeah. Did you have do you ha- did you have or do you still have a relationship with your father? No, not really. Um, you know, I think, you know, and it was uh, loose, like not much involvement, um, no real involvement today. My father's still around, um, yeah. even even locally, but no relationship there. Um, so I've kind of been like 
on my own. You know, I was a single child. You know, I've got some half siblings here and there. Um, not not a lot of relationships there, except for with one who, um, you know, was a sister I, I had never met before. She's a two, two years older than me. And she's in a similar situation as me. You know, she doesn't have any relationship with my father. And, you know, and one day it was funny, you know, it's just in kind of do hard things. Like I remember, you know, Father's Day, when I started having kids, it's kind of bittersweet, right? You know, it's like, I got my kids show me all this love, but my father's, you know, 10 miles away. I don't have a relationship with him or whatever. And, um, and, and it hit me, you know, I was like, man, I've got a sister out there that's never had a father's day with, with her dad or whatever. And I, and like I said, I didn't know her. And, and that day I just tracked her down online and messed her. And now we've got a great relationship. I mean, it's like, you know, what, what that sibling love, you know, she's always checking in on me. Like, it's awesome, you know, and, and I just, it just hit me one day. I was like, man, you know, she, she's never had that. And I just wanted to reach out to her. And it was like, it, part of what I've gotten just over the years, just like when something, you know, people avoid difficult, you know, not to keep saying it, but people avoid these difficult conversations or difficult things. And I've just learned the more you pound those things, like front on, like head first, like the better you are, like you're just, you know, pulling the, the negative stuff out of your head. And it's just, it just serves you, you know, if, if for nothing else to just, you know, shed the, shed the stress of it. I don't know. I mean, but you know, it's, but that was one of those things that you know, I'm, I'm glad I did it. Yeah, I know. I didn't want to have, I thought that I didn't want to have kids because of my lack of having a solid family. Like I didn't, how am I going? I don't know what right looks like. So how am I going to be able to do this effectively? And I became a little bit selfish, you know, very self-reliant at a very young age. But what I learned in having kids once they're here, it's like, well, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm committed now. Like that, no one else is going to take care of them. The greatest blessing I have ever received, the greatest blessing of joy. And there are times they just turn 13 and we have our moments and it's just like, you know, there's days I want to just choke the life out of them, but I, I love them so dearly. Like they have taught me more about myself than anyone could have ever taught me. And just the love, the, the love that you have with your kids is just unlike anything else. It's oh, unlike yeah. having a love for another woman or, or in anything else. It's been, it's been incredible. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that's it. Nate, they, they challenge you. I mean, you know, a, a lot of things I've done have, have been to kind of hold myself. I got married young myself. Right. So talk about my mother and father and father, you know, they had me at 18, 19 years old. So I'm sure it wasn't planned, you know, but, uh, but my wife and I also got married young and, um, you know, I used her, you know, I loved her. We were high school sweethearts. We're still married to stay after 21 years. And, but she was like, um, she was what I used to set the bar, right? Like when, when you're like independent like that, when you kind of come from like what, what we're talking about, like, um, you know, sometimes you don't uh, need a lot, you know? Um, but I used my wife to say, Hey, I, I could live on a cot in a, you know, 10 by 10 barracks room for the rest of my life, but I want to give her a great life. Right. And, and so she really kept me hungry, you know, in a way to kind of provide for her, you know, if that makes sense. Right. You know, so, and the kids yeah. do that too, right. The kids, you know, once you start having kids, you start realizing, okay, you know, now you've got little sponges that are going to mimic everything you do. Right. So, um, you know, I'll tell anybody ask me about leadership. I think the strongest leadership principle is setting the example, right? You can say, scream, yell, teach, whatever. But at the end of the day, setting the example is, as a leader, the best thing you can do. And and kids was just the next level of that, right? Now it was like, you know, you're thinking, they're watching, 
you see them do things and you go, that little butthead, well, I've done that. Yeah, I know where he got that from. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and so they let you know real quick that they're paying attention, you know, so. Oh, they they definitely do. And I, I talk to people all the time and they're like, oh, I'm not a leader. I'm like, are, are you a parent? You've got the most difficult leadership position there is. They're watching you. You're leading. You're leading every day. And they're watching you. And your actions speak louder than than words. And uh, yeah, they they pick up on you, and they you start to see little isms of you and them as they develop into themselves. It's it's really humbling, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the good I, and the bad. <laughs> I mean, a hundred percent, and that's something that I I really teach clients today, if you will, is that uh, from from a perspective of leadership, and I think kind of my philosophy is when people start asking me about my success and other things, I go, you gotta lead yourself, right? Like if if and I learned that at in boot camp, right? Like when we're learning all the leadership traits and principles and, and philosophies and strategies and tactics. And, you know, we learn like, even if you're a private, you're still responsible for you. You still have to lead you. You might, you might not be leading a squad, but you're leading yourself at a minimum. And I kept that. I, I always felt that way. And that's what I try to teach people today is like, whether you're in charge of someone or not, you're, you're in charge of yourself, your life. And the minute you realize that and take ownership of that, um, man, just things start to happen. You know, you stop being this victim, you know, this, yeah, I think you and I talked about this before, like stop being a bobber in the ocean, you know, and minute you realize that you're in charge of everything around you, everything happening in your life. Now you, now that bobber just grew oars and now you're going to start rowing where you want to go, you know? Absolutely. Taking ownership and just recognizing that you're responsible for everything that happens or fails to happen in your life is on you because I, we all know people that shift blame to everything else. And they're probably some of the most toxic, miserable people as I, as I kind of go through the short list of people that I know that do this. God bless them. They, they do. They, they shift blame. It's not a good it's not a good position to be in. And your life will fundamentally change when you do take ownership of yourself and uh, it's incredibly important to uh, do so. One of my favorite books on the topic, Jocko Willing, you know, sure. just yeah. equal freedom, extreme ownership. That book is phenomenal. Yeah. In fact, uh, that's a book I've given a lot of soldiers and we've had conversations about when I was an instructor at Ebola, like, like we, we'd have conversations about uh, taking ownership. You as a leader have got to own everything. If people are late for your meeting, it's your fault as a leader because you had this expectation and you didn't come up with the agreements and make sure that they fully understood why it's important. And, we, we can go on for an hour about this, but that incredibly important, having extreme ownership and taking ownership of yourself for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I had this talk speaking of kids, you know, my, my oldest is 12, you know, so he's starting to get into that preteen, I'll say situations, you know, and uh, he had a little scuffle out in the neighborhood and he kind of came, it was an older kid, you know, so you know how when you're young and you got the bigger, older boy, like giving you trouble, you know, and fast forward 30 years, I am, I'll see him coming home kind of, you know, upset about it or whatever. I'm like, well, what'd you do? And he's like, oh, I came home. It's like, listen, next time, you know, this is how we're going to handle this. Like you're going to let them know. Cause you know, it goes back to you, you teach people how to treat you. Right. And even as, as a leader, you know, you teach your people if it's okay to be late to a meeting or unprepared for a meeting by what you're tolerating. And, you know, and I, I that's why I think leadership is like you said, as a parent, whether you're at the office at work, whether you're just uh, charting your path to your goals, you know, objectives, whatever, right? It's it's always there. Um and and you have full control over it. And, and once you once you realize that and realizing it's one thing and then once you start putting in the work, you know, towards that realization, then things really start to really start to happen. 
Absolutely. I've had team members that were that were late to things. And I remember having those conversations. And the way I usually frame it is like, look, I I've have failed you. I have failed as a leader to articulate, you know, why that this is important. This is what I need you to do. You're a valued member. I need you here because of the value that you bring. And sometimes people are late and it's not, it's something else could have happened, or maybe they were in another meeting beforehand or something. But a lot of times we we don't really quite understand what's going on there. And the leader, it's our responsibility to kind of unpack some of that. So we don't have this like false expectation and we we set the conditions for them to be successful and have that understanding of why it's important that no, they can't, they shouldn't blow you off in this situation, or we create the conditions to enable, you know, what it is that you want from them. And oftentimes it's a lot of it's just lack of understanding or um, expectations versus you know what you perceive they should be doing, and they just you know, this unwritten contract or rule, you've got to convey and have those difficult conversations and tell people specifically what you want them to do and vice versa. What do you want from me? What do you expect from me? Right. Once you have that agreement, then you're going to show up. They're going to show up better. We don't have these unwritten expectations and uh, things going on that just add uh, these add layers of complexity and erode, erode relationships. Well, you know, one of the first professional development books I ever stumbled into was Seven Habits of Highly Effective People with Stephen Covey. And, you know, and and look, all these books, whether it's Jocko Willing to Jordan Peterson's, you know, they all really say a lot of the same things just from different angles, you know, but it's all really fundamentally a lot of the same stuff in a lot of ways. And one thing as a leader, you know, from Stephen Covey, seek first to understand, then to be understood, right? So in a case of the troubled soldier or, or not meeting expectations or whatever, the best thing you can do as a leader is seek to understand like what, what's going on. You know, why, can you fill me in? What's going on? Why are you late? Cause you know, look, I was in the Marines. Like we, we would jump hard first, ask questions later, you know, a lot of times. And that was just young, you know, full of piss and vinegar, Sergeant walls in my college. It's just, you know, but I've learned and I wish I had learned what I know now, even back then to be a better leader, and I'm really thankful for Jocko Willink's book, man. It's it's just again, it's just articulating the right things, you know, especially for for troopers and stuff of not just military but police officers and 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 the like. I, I like I like the community he's focused on. I think he's doing good work there. And um, but you know, just when you've got that that team member, you know, instead of just jumping straight down their throat like like you want to, uh, but checking your ego, checking your emotions, and kind of seeking to understand. Because you, there might be something you don't know, you know, and uh, and and now you can get them better engaged, you know. So when you when you get into now leadership and organizational management, now you're talking not just getting the mission done, but getting the team engaged and being engaged with your team and and understanding them, right? Uh, knowing that hey, he's got a newborn at home, you know, and he's struggling with that or whatever, and, and knowing what's going on so that you can help them be what you need them to be, right? But if you don't pay attention, if you aren't engaged with them, you don't know what's going on. You know, it's going to you're, you're not going to win. You know, you're, yeah. you're going to continue to struggle, have a poor relationship. And that's, that's uh, having a sense of like caring and care about your people and have right. you know, really going on in your life and, and, you know, help them solve those problems because they right. don't want to be late. They don't want to disappoint you generally. And most people yeah. don't. You know, So there's probably something going on you need to help unpack. For sure. Well, let's, uh, let, what I want to do is I want to transition. So you, you grew up in a small town. Broken home situation. You went to this uh, uh, camp held by the, the American Legion, is that what you said? Uh, yes, Boy State. 
Okay, so it was big Marine influence. You're like, yeah, this is it. I want to be a Marine. You joined the Marine Corps. What did you do in the Marine Corps? And what was what was your career like there? So uh, similarly, I, I knew college wasn't for me. You know, I was just blowing high school out. So, you know, I was like, you know, uh, and, and look, my parents didn't have money for me to go to college. I, I mean, that wasn't that wasn't in the cards. I didn't have the grades. We didn't have the money. I had no direction. You know, that, that would have been a dud out of the gate. And, and look, unfortunately, uh, a lot of kids do that even still these days, like they don't have direction, they go to school and they don't really have the purpose. So, so I'm glad I didn't. Um, but I did get college money. I did get a college fund. So I went, joined the Marines to get college money, kind of just to see the future opportunity. And, um, and I, I went in, I was passionate about computers and I was that kid in high school who with my friends had hacked the computer network. And back then we were playing like Doom or Duke Nukem 3D or something in the schools and got in trouble. I, I actually, funny story, I had to learn accounting uh, my last year of high school um, because we had gotten trouble in the system and I wasn't allowed to have a class that had a computer and keyboard. And this is this is like 97, right? So it, it's not like it is today, but um, but because we had infiltrated the system and we didn't, we weren't doing anything malicious. We were just having fun, but I wasn't allowed to have any classes that had computers in it. So I had to cancel all my programming classes and type class. I had to take typing on a typewriter and I had to take all my computer classes and switch them to accounting so that I, you know, but, um, so I learned accounting in, in high school, but, uh, passionate about having the computer side of things. Cause that was early, that was dial up days. We were just really getting going with the internet. So, uh, I joined the Marines to be, you know, a data geek. Uh, good timing on that because uh, then at that time to be a data Marine, um, you basically learned everything. I learned everything from pulling cable to building websites and servers and PCs and everything in between. Uh, whereas today, all that stuff's very compartmentalized, you know, different specialties and stuff like that. So I was in at a real fortunate time that you know, I could learn. And that's, that's what I did. I learned it in the Marine Corps. That's awesome. Okay. So you did that for, for five years. Did you deploy anywhere? Did you go anywhere? I didn't, I, I was um, there th- four years uh, through nine 11 um, got promoted pretty quick, you know, and, and that MOS, you know, my, I joined with the intention. I, I wasn't really intending to stay in the Marine Corps for the long term. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I, I married my wife shortly thereafter. She moved with me out to California um, and, and, you know, being married, you know, you really don't have control of your destiny or where you're going to live, things like that. And uh, my wife was really very family oriented. So kind of that life, you know, wasn't going to be for her. And, I, and again, back to what I was saying earlier, I, I knew I wasn't single anymore. So um, so I was more thinking about our future, you know, and me being deployed and, and things like that that come along with a career enlistment really wasn't what I was looking forward to. Um, so I was there to get an education, right? I joined the Marines to one, be a Marine to get the education, you know, cause school wasn't for me, get the college money for school was for me later. Um, so did four, got out, nine 11 did happen while I was in, uh, I did, you know, help do an exercise and, you know, I, I jokingly say I went out to the field, of my unit box built the whole network that they later took to Iraq and, you know, wrote destination Iraq on the box and, and I've EAS and, and got out, you know, so. So what happened? So you leave the Marine Corps. I know this is a huge, like this was a, uh, I guess a point in your life where you received a, a lot. It transformed you, right? It set the tone. It set the tone for your next chapter in your life where you got into 
Well, I guess you can tell us about, you know, what, what did you do after the Marine Corps? Uh, when I got out, it, you know, with, with my skills, training, clearances, and so on, uh, and being here in Maryland, there's a lot of government contract work. So uh, I came back, uh, went to work for the Department of State for a little bit as a contractor, um, and really just got my first taste of, you know, civilian life, um, you know, in, in a uh, government entity, which was, you know, I'm, I'm high speed load drag in the Marine Corps. And then I go work with the government employees who are much different pace than that. So that, that took a big adjustment and, um, and realized that I wanted to, I, I always wanted to be going harder and faster. And, and, and even while I was in the Marines, like that, um, you know, I guess the last two years I was helping some businesses out in town, you know, just, I just enjoyed taking what I knew and helping people. So I would like meet a guy that would have like a leasing company and he'd go, man, what do you do? And I tell him and he'd go, my stupid Blackberry calendar doesn't match my computer. Can you help me? And, and I loved, I loved like going, Oh yeah, man, watch this. And like, I'm like a magician to this dude. I'm his hero. And um, so I would, I would, I started, I had like half a dozen accounts just out in the, on the side out in, um, I was stationed in Camp Pendleton. So I was in uh, Southern California there. Um, and so I, I had six accounts that I would help out and I enjoyed it. I, I love serving them. And when I came back, you know, I was just like, you know what, I'm going to keep that going, you know? So went ahead and incorporated the business and, um, took off from there. That's awesome. So, uh, I, I was, I was, when you were saying that I struggle with technology and half my day at work today, was trying to figure out, we got like new teams update and trying to get my computer synchronized with it. I was like, Oh, and I, I struggle with that so much. So, so you're, you're really like just a, a geek wizard, the geek squad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's awesome. So now you were doing these accounts. Now you, you, when did you create your, your business that you, and then when I was in California, so I, so I started the business there. Um, I, I subcontracted and partnered with a, a fellow Marine that was staying in the area to kind of continue to service the accounts. You know, once uh, my wife, Jody, and I moved back home, which we did. And, um, you know, it kind of just had that seed going. So kept going. So I went and started working full time with the Department of State. Um, later exited out, worked with the local firm, just kind of see how the commercial market kind of worked. Um, and, and got a taste of, of what that was and really affirmed that that's what I wanted to do. And um, eventually told my boss, the owner of that company at the time, like, hey, I want to, I, I basically, I, I remember telling him, I was like, I want to be you. Like, I want to be running my thing, doing this, you know, and I uh, had respect for him of that. And 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 we, we uh, and I went in and, and that's what I started doing. So um, that was it. Started going, started, hired my cousin, put an ad in the yellow pages and uh Started taking phone calls, um, you know, uh, not much later. My wife was my second full-time employee. And uh, after nearly two decades, by the time I retired, I had nearly 200 employees. Oh, that's awesome. So let me go back to what you said about you. You looked at your your boss and you're like, hey, I want to be you. Did, how did that conversation go? Because that's one of the greatest bits of advice I've ever gotten is if you see someone doing something and you want to do it, engage that person and ask them how they got there. So how did that conversation go? And what did you take from him that enabled your success? Um, you know, that's a good question. You know, I just saw, um, and it wasn't like a, man, these guys aren't doing it right or anything like that. It was, um, I believe at the time I had left the department of state 
And they were calling me back. They were saying, hey, we need you back in here. And I had went and started working for this other firm, kind of doing commercial work rather than government work. And um, you know, they were calling me going, hey, we want you back. What do we need to do to get you back in here? And I was like, well, why don't you hire my company and then I'll come back in, you know? So, so then I subbed, I subbed myself back in, you know, and then uh, the prime contractor was paying me direct. And that was the revenue I needed to really fuel the company. Cause I had no capital investment or anything like that to start the business. I just had that revenue from winning that first subcontract, you know, based off my skills. Right. And like I said, I had been lightly doing it for a little while and kind of had seen what that potential was and, and again, enjoyed it. You know, I, again, I was a Sergeant in the Marine Corps for most of my enlistment. So I, I enjoy being in charge, you know, doing my thing, you know, uh, getting, get stuff done. And so, you know, the opportunity just kind of presented itself and, you know, I just got after it. So you, you worked in the, the private sector. How did you transition from there into coaching and what you're doing now with the Lions Guide? Ooh, yeah. So, so yeah. So over the course of, you know, uh, 18 years, I believe it was in total 20, if you count the, the California time when I was sole pr- proprietor, um, you know, in 2018, uh, you know, the, the IT and IT service industry right now is just a boom town of mergers and acquisitions. So um, over the course of time, you know, my company had did some acquisitions and we had grown. I was in multiple markets um, and then long story short, I, you know, had a couple other partners and that were looking for an exit strategy and, and just, we had the opportunity to sell the company and, and we did at the end of 2018. Um, and so I stayed on for another, you know, 18 months, two years total after we sold. Um, and, uh, when I finally retired out last August, I was kind of just kind of hitting that moment. I'm, I'm, I'm 40 years old at the time. Um, and just, trying to figure out what I want to do next. I don't want to not work, you know, even though I'm technically retired or whatever. Um, so I had to reflect, you know, what, you know, what do I enjoy doing? You know, tech wise, you know, tech's tech, it's always evolving and it's a, it's a high speed game. And uh, I, I always knew as a, you know, leader in tech, we had to evolve the company every 18 months because technology was just every 18 months. It was something new, something leading, leading the charge. And so, um, you know, after I retired out and I was kind of reflecting on what I want to do, I mean, Lions Guide, originally, I was just going to make t-shirts, you know, out of just like quotes and stuff. Because, you know, you see all these stuff. And I was like, man, I w-. it was really like, I wanted a shirt that said something. I don't remember what it was. I just wanted, actually, I wanted this uh, logo. I had this logo on my head of the the, the lion face just kind of like just there. And, and, uh, and so I started creating this brand. And um, I was working with a, a strategic marketing guy who was kind of helping me figure out this brand. I was going to start making this T-shirt company. And uh, he was talking to me similar like this. And he was actually transitioning to be a coach as well. He was he was coaching, but he was also doing a lot of marketing consulting and stuff. And he kind of challenged me. He's like, what are you doing? You're like, like, you've got 20 years of leadership experience and you've done all this stuff. Like, why aren't you using that? Like, what, what are you doing making t-shirts? Like, why, why don't you go do that? And, and it, it was just, that was the first like, kind of like ding. Like first, so I'm going to go, hey, what are you doing? And um, and later, and so once I started, it started to get out that I was exiting Corsica, my company, 
um, other people started pinging me, asking me for help, you know, like, hey, man, you know, can you help me? I'm, I'm struggling with this. And and there was just like these this this little calling. And, and one day it just kind of hit me. I was like, you know, if I had to look back at the last few years running the company, sure, I was CEO, a tech company, all that. But what got me out of bed every morning was my team, my direct reports, right? Uh, getting in there and helping them solve their problems, helping them be better, right? And, and you know, we'll probably talk about we get to habits and stuff. But, you know, I was reading books every day. Like I, I was knocking out dozens of books a year. So they would come to me with some problem. And I was like, I don't know, like a, a book, you know, pharmacy. I was like, hey, you got to read this book. It'll fix that, you know, whatever. So <laughs> Um, and I enjoy I enjoyed it. I loved like unlocking their brains, if you will, these these challenges. So I just kind of had this epiphany, like, man, okay. Um, instead of making t-shirts, why don't I make a business out of that? Because I enjoy it. I'm passionate about it. It like I said, it was what was getting me out of bed just with my team. But now rather than direct leadership uh, with Lions Guide, I, I aim to serve as bit of an indirect leader, right? You know, again, setting the example, helping provide the coaching, the guidance, the training. Um, and I love it. You know, I love, I love the material. I love, you know, the, the, the results of it. And here I am. So I, I met you through getting my certified high performance coach certification um, just because I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to start with a blank slate. I, I kind of did. I had started to draw up my own framework around, you know, self-leadership, like we talked about earlier, like that whole philosophy of, of being a leader, you know, at least of yourself and, 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 and beyond. And, um, but I, I wanted to be accredited. I wanted to put some, um, uh, some differentiation and some serious behind seriousness behind what I was, what I was doing. So, yeah, no, I've been a huge fan of Brendan Bouchard. I don't even know where I stumbled across him probably like maybe seven years ago or so. I've been a huge fan ever since. And then when I learned that he had a, a coaching program, which is, it's not cheap. It's pretty, it's a big investment to, to yeah. lean into, but I figured, Hey, if we're going to do the work, like be the best at it. So yeah. could you hands down and then talking to the people in the coaching industry that have had numerous certifications, this is hands down the, uh, the best. So I'm glad that we're, we're colleagues in this mm-hmm. uh, together. Uh, so one of my favorite quotes, and you'll appreciate this is Marina is from Jim Mattis. If you haven't read hundreds of books, you are functionally illiterate and you will be incompetent because your personal experiences alone aren't broad enough to sustain you. Right. And he's known as the uh, the warrior monk, known for his library of books and just his voracious reading. And for many years, I was not a reader. I would say that I've only become a reader probably in the last seven years or so. And I read the book, uh, The Slight Edge, which I actually have a copy of right here. Um, and it talks about, hey, how reading 10 pages a day will fundamentally transform your life. And at a low point in my life where I was just I felt like I was a character, uh, just disconnected, feeling miserable, like things need to change. I, I did an inventory of all the habits of the people that I respected. And the common theme was they were readers. Yeah. You know what? I got to make this a habit. So I started reading. It started with this book here. And it's, uh, I read probably, I don't know, probably 30, at least 30 books a year, maybe 40. Yep. Lots of podcasts, lots of audio books. It's fundamentally transformed my life. And now I feel like I have this like catalog in my head. Somebody will have a problem. And I'm like, hey, you really need to check out this book here because this could give you an idea or a strategy or an action tip to help you. And the more that I've collected this, I feel like I'm prepared to handle 
any problem that comes my way. Like if not, I've got a reference to kind of go off of. Right. I wanted to take a quick break and invite you to an exclusive community I host called The Forge. One of my favorite proverbs is, as iron sharpens iron, so one man does another. The Forge is a mastermind, a community of men and women who are invested in their personal growth and development. They want to improve themselves, to be better husbands, to be better wives, to be better parents to their kids, to add value to their team and lead better at work, and to add more value into their community. In The Forge, I teach principles and habits of the world's highest achievers and performers, and as a group, we identify goals, develop strategies to achieve them, and hold one another accountable. We focus on improving our health, our wellness, our wealth, our relationships, and living in alignment with our purpose. We work together to focus on what truly matters and have a place where we can discuss difficult topics about life. If you're interested in learning more, go on over to www.jteags.com forward slash community where you can learn more about The Forge. You can learn more about my one-on-one coaching experience, sign up for the newsletter, and check out the blog while you're at it. Now back to the show. When did you start reading? And I guess what are some of your favorite books? Ooh, um, so, so when I was in the Marines, uh, my last two years, I went after a lot of certifications, right? That, that's really where you credentialed yourself, especially knowing I was going to, I was going to transition out of the core. So I had all the top Microsoft, Cisco, CompTIA certification. So I was, I was a reader then, and I had a system and it was every day when I got off work, I was usually home by four. Um, and I would, I would read chapter a day. And then I had this system where I was passing a certification exam a month um, because I would spend two weeks reading a book, uh, two weeks studying for the exam itself. I'd take the exam at the end of the month and and I had a thing that I wouldn't go take the exam unless I had the next book. And the minute I passed that exam, I came home, I'd start the next book and I'd get going. And and you're right. I think somewhere along the line, I fell off. And I think I fell off when it was kids, you know, once I was kind of out of the core, I wasn't chasing certifications anymore. I was running the business. Um, you know, so I was, I was, you know, I don't really know where I was stopped being that consistent, but I remember the same thing, like kind of what you're saying. I remember I was kind of like struggling, like I, I, I couldn't even define, it. I was just kind of struggling in my head or whatever. And I go, man, I haven't been reading, you know, I, you know, and and I hadn't, and and you're right. I was like, I got back on track, and boom! It was just like you know, the last number of years, just the whole world opened back up again because it, it's just so enlightening. Right? And I think another thing it does, and the podcast I think do it too, is you know, I tell a lot of people like today, especially you know, with social media, we'll just make it easy with social media. I think a lot of people are intimidated, intimidated to kind of be more like they're always comparing themselves to that highlight reel of everyone else. And, and people don't speak up. They don't, you know, they don't act out maybe some of their, their desires for whatever reason. And when you start getting into books, especially like personal development books, or, you know, I read, um, what's it? Uh, Bob Iger's book, um, you know, ride a lifetime. He was the Disney CEO. I read that at the beginning of last year. And as a CEO at that time, you know, doing acquisitions, it was just, it really just opened me up for the, position I was now in, you know, is the way my company had grown. So, you know, but meanwhile, a lot of those thoughts and challenges were in my head, but I had nothing to relate it to. And then here's this book, just he's, he's the CEO of Disney, but he's struggling with the same stuff I'm struggling with. And it's just like, and it, it kind of gives you that permission, you know, to act on 
your feelings, your desires a bit, in addition to all the education, but, but it's an enabler. I guess that that's, that's, that's the moral of the story, right? It's, it's a big enabler. And I think a lot of people need that today. You know, they, they, they need to be enabled, you know, and, and pushed and, and like I say, unlock the stuff in your head and go. So, um, you nailed it. Uh, extreme ownership, dichotomy of leadership from Jocko Willink. Um, even all Jocko's books. I mean, um, even, um, uh, leader, leadership strategy and tactics. Have you seen, have you checked that one out? I haven't, I I've seen it. I have not opened that one up. I think, I've oh, man. It. I mean, it's just spot on, you know, and it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just spot on it, you know, um, and everything that's given you, if you're in a leadership role, you know, cause the, the other books are kind of a bit of a story and more of a chapter book, but, um, it, it's a little field manual on leadership. And I, and, and I agree with everything that was in it. It's just, and again, it's, it's enabling you like Brendan Bouchard's book, another favorite of mine, uh, high performance habits. Again, it just was affirming stuff that I already felt, you know, I, I felt these things and now I'm reading a book and it's in writing and it's science-based and it's like, yeah, no kidding. You know, this is, you know, and, and, and it's also checking in the other areas that you need to be told like, yep, that's it. That's what I'm doing wrong. You know? So it's just, it's their enablers, man. Um, so you're right. I mean, most people, you know, or having success or, or readers are making the time to do it. Yeah. I saw a little meme floating around not so long ago and it really resonated with me kind of on top of what we're talking about today, but it's like a, a mom, two moms and their kids are sitting on a park bench. One of the moms has a book and her child has a book. The other mom has her cell phone open and the child has a cell phone. The mom with the cell phone is looking over at the mom with the book. And it's like, I wish I could get my kids to read. And it's yeah. just like, you know, lead that by example. So if you want to fundamentally change your life or you want your kids to read, you've got to read and leaders are readers. And if you're a parent, you're a leader. And uh, I'm telling you, I, I wish someone would have smacked me over the book earlier in life and just tell me to, to tell me to keep reading. You know, that, that, there was always like a commandant's, you know, reading list or we talked about it a lot, but no one really like I don't know. It just took me, I had to come to my own realization that reading is important. I guess teachers always said you should read or whatnot, but I just kind of blew it off. But it did. When I started looking at my habits, I started not um, listening to the news nearly as much. I was big into talk radio and I would get pissed off about what's going on in Washington, D.C. And I started to realize like, this is making me feel like crap. I'm waking up and like a lot of people, they're getting on there bashing the president or whatever, you know, if you're waking up in this, the first thing that you're doing, something is wrong. Like right. I'm like, I'm engaging in this and this has got, to, this is not how I want to live my life. Right. So one of the part of my morning routine, every morning I wake up and one of the first things that I do is I'll get my pre-workout or my coffee going. And I, and I read immediately and it puts me in a positive frame of mind. And I, yep. I tell you what, that's the, that's fundamentally changed my life. And uh, so let me see what, um, oh, let's, let's, uh, let's switch gears here. What, um, let me ask you a tough one here. What is your biggest failure in life and what did you learn from it and how did you overcome it? Yeah. You know, I, I was having a hard time kind of coming up with the single failure and, and I don't even mean to say that braggadociously. I, I, I think, you know, one thing people talk about luck a lot and I, I, I kind of, you know, this, this idea that people are, who are successful are lucky. And I, I you know, I kind of responded and say, look, the only luck I've had is when I've screwed up, I didn't get punished worse, you know? Um, and, you know, so I've had a lot of failures and I can only say like the common denominators of my failures have been on uh, part of my theme with Lions Guide is like 
when I didn't act courageously, you know, when I, my gut was telling me something and I just didn't have the courage to go act on it, you know, whether it was deal with a difficult situation, a difficult person, uh, go after something that I'd never done before. You know, those, those are the times I failed. And in those times that I did go with my gut, you know, take the leap, you know, uh, deal with a difficult situation or, or challenge. That's when I have my success, you know? And, and so for me, um, you know, when I haven't act, acted courageously, you know, that that's when I've had my failures. I, I would say, you know, we talked a lot about Jocko, but I think one thing that I, I'm glad I've heard a, a lot out of him um, and let's do his podcast and stuff are ego, you know, um, ego will hurt you. You know, um, if you, you need to be able to identify ego and um, in yourself and in others, um, because unfortunately, again, today, I guess because the way we're all plugged in, I think a lot of people are op- operating on ego a lot. Um, and when you're in a leadership position or leading your life and you're getting information, you want to make sure that information is valid, not ego driven. Right. And so I would say other failures has been whether my ego got the best of me or I didn't recognize the information I was acting on was other people's egos or other people were exercising their ego and I wasn't, I was being too humble. You know, I wasn't stepping up going, no, actually you're wrong, you know, and, and this is what we need to do and whatever. Um, and I'd say probably the other thing specifically, so we'll get, we haven't gotten too much into running and stuff yet, but uh, game planning, like I, I would say like, you got to have a game plan and everything that's important to you, you know, and, and habit, habit wise, right. Setting intentions. Right. And, uh, I've run a few marathons and one year I was training to qualify for Boston's and, um, my wife was pregnant at the time. I usually run the Marine Corps marathon every year. And that year I was running a Marine Corps marathon a few weeks prior was going to be the Baltimore marathon. And a buddy of mine, I called him and said, Hey, take my wife's bib and come run the Marine Corps marathon with me. He's like, cool, I'll do it. If you run the Baltimore marathon with me, it's still open. Go sign up. No problem. So I'm running a marathon, you know, with a weekend in between. I'm, I had did everything to, to qualify for Boston at the Marine Corps marathon. I was training, eating everything right. So when he asked me to do Baltimore's, I didn't think nothing of it. I was thinking Marine Corps Marathon. It's a flat course. People run it to qualify for Boston's because of that. And um, I'm like, sign me up, man. Let's go. It never even looked at the course map, the elevation, nothing. Let's go. I got that and started off great. My my halfway point, I read, I ran a minute 30 half marathon at the halfway point was smoking. Second half, nothing but hills. I hadn't trained hills, wasn't ready for hills. I ran the second half in, I think, two and a half hours or something silly. Like it just murdered me because I had smoked the first half and then the second half just ran into the wall worst ever. And and it hurt me, you know. Um, uh, I, I struggled to finish the race, honestly. And, and it ruined me for the Marine Corps Marathon two weeks later. You know, it just put a hurting on me. I just ran straight into all these hills that I had no idea were coming. I had smoked myself in the first half. So, the moral of the story, so a little failure there, nothing life-altering, but I just didn't pick my head up to kind of get a game plan for something that wasn't what I was training for, right? You know, I was training for the Marine Corps Marathon. I'm going to, 
you know, go ham and do the Baltimore marathon too at the same year. But I just wasn't, you know, and, and that lesson there, it does resonate when I'm doing anything. It's like, get a game plan together, you know, um, before you act. Um, and I tell guys that even to this day, and people are going to go out on the weekends and stuff. And I'll talk to friends like, man, I drink too much. I don't know why. I, like, I know why. Cause you don't have a game plan. Like you're just going out. And, but if you left the house going, man, I'm going to have two drinks and I'm going to pace them over the time. And it doesn't, look, you got to sit down and draw the stuff out. But if you set a little bit of an attention, right? Like I don't want to get drunk. I want to have a good day with my kids tomorrow, you know, and you just go, Hey, I'm, I'm just going to pace myself a beer hour. I'm going to sip. I'm not going to kill it. And that, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Just having a simple little game plan for those things that are important. Um, you know, that's, that's another key, you know, that, that I've learned and had failures as a result of. Yeah, when you have clarity and you have a little bit of vision for your life and you can see it, like how my actions will affect me, uh, will affect, you know, future. Because most people just live day to day or they can't see beyond a week. And as I coach people, it's one of the things that I really focus in on. Is let's, let's plan your quarter. Let's get a little bit more intentional. Look, look at the future. And I think that's incredibly important. And that's what I love about the high performance planners every day. It asks you when you're filling it out, like, hey, what's, uh, what, what could be something that could trip you up today? And how would your best self deal with it? And it really enables you to think about, okay, I got these things going on today. What could really trip me up? And if you think about it, you can kind of just be prepared for it when it happens. So it's not like you just got to completely react to it. Yeah. And uh, absolutely. Having a plan, you know, being able to do a little reconnaissance and kind of seeing what what potential things could happen. So, you know, the, your plan is usually going to go to crap at some point in time. We always talk about that in the military. It's like, you know, we, we do our planning and, you know, upon first contact, plan goes out the window. But you know what the commander's intent is. So what is the intent for your life? And maybe you're going to have to maneuver uh, a little bit differently, but the end state should still be the same. Right. And you will be on the objective on the other side. But being able to see, you know, what the uh, the enemy's course of action could be, those things are going to get in your life that can trip you up. And thinking through that's going to enable your success. If you don't do that, you're going to be on your ass and, you know, and bad things are going to happen. <laughs> yeah, a, a powerful story. I tell a lot of people around the fact that everything you do matters. Right. And uh, around the time I was EAS and now the uh, Marine Corps, I think I was gone. The timing's tough in my head. I know I wasn't active when this was on. I think it was on terminal, but a young Marine, right back then, zero tolerance Marine Corps. Um, but that was tough because a lot of people were trying to pop on a piss test to get out. Right. So one of the things that had happened uh, we had a young Marine who um, had recently been promoted to corporal. So E4, now he's an NCO, uh, but he was still hanging with his buddies a little bit. And those, all of them, I think him and a few others who were non-rates, you know, Lance Corporals and PFCs, they're all out at a party on the weekend and there was, there was marijuana there and they all smoked it. Come back. They all popped on a piss test. And uh, so because people were kind of smoking to get out and things like that, it went kind of from zero tolerance to, you know, punishment, you break you down, you know, whatever. And so, so this newly pinned corporal um, in these non-rates, so the non-rates, they got busted down. They got knocked down to private, no pay dues, got run through the rigor, but you're not getting out, buddy. You know, you're, you're staying in. The corporal, you should have known better. They kicked him out. And so here you got something as innocent as showing up at a party, who know? I don't, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened, but he did enough and he was a good kid, good kid. Um, so I, I, I imagine probably just did it to puff, puff, pass, and move, get people out, out of his crap, you know, but um, 
so young man got um, got got kicked out of the Marine Corps on his ride home back home to the East Coast, got in a car accident and died. Right. And that story, I tell people that like everything you do matters. That little one night, that one little mistake didn't just cost him his Marine Corps career. It cost him his life. Yeah. Right. And and to that point, man, like every little thing you do matters. And I, I anyone who kind of hits a point where I want to check them a little bit, say, hey, that little stupid shit you're doing, it adds up, you know, and it, it might catch you, you know, and. Um, and, and that's, that's where I'll, I'll never forget it. And I, I always tell people that cause it's just everything you do matters, no matter how small. Absolutely. Well, that's horrible. And, uh, yeah, you're either, you're either improving or you're on the decline and things just naturally happen. And that was a series, like a, just a chain of events that were triggered. And, uh, that's, that's horrific. Right. Um, but it, it, it does. The, the point is there, like everything that you do absolutely matters. So tell us about Lion's Guide and some of the principles. So you, you talked about courage, which I think is, as as I talk to people, that's we, we talked about uh, luck, opportunity, meeting preparedness, and that sense of courage to take action. I know that's one of the principles of the Lion's Guide. What else are some of the fundamental things that, that you teach? Um, again, I, I try to take uh, leadership principles and help mold it to the individual, right? So it, it, it all. If you were leading an organization, you would need to know your vision. You would need to know who your team is. You need to know what they're accountable for. You need to know what the systems are. You need to know what the fine. I mean, all those things that I just listed. Now let's talk about your life for a second. If you're responsible for your life, you're the CEO of your life. You're in charge of it. What do you need to know? need to know the vision. You need to know who your team is. You need to know what your system is. You need to know what, you, you know, like all those things still apply. And it, sure, you're not running an organization, but you are in charge of your life. Like we started this podcast about, right? So, you know, I do the certified high performance coaching and also do training around teaching leadership principles, but from that perspective, right? Again, ground zero for me was this enlightenment that I don't need to be in charge of people to be a leader because at a minimum I'm, I'm leading myself, my, my life, my destination. So, um, you know, I teach people just that. And I, I take a lot of what I've learned in leadership and organizational management and help people put that in their own lives and figure out their own system, if you will. And even something like your team, right? In business, you got to know who your team is. You got to train them accordingly, whatever. I mean, in life, you got to know who you're uh, influencers are, who your detractors are. That's your team, right? Your circle, right? We talk, people talk about that a lot. You're like, you know, who's your, your, who, the five people you're hanging out with there. That's your destiny right there. You know, so knowing who your team is and identifying who you want to, you know, be on your team and being clear about that. So, so yeah, um, clarity, courage, leadership, you know, are the, the, is the culture of the Lions guide that, that I help people establish. No, that's that's outstanding, and people people need to have those conversations. And, and like you said, I like the, the fact that we're looking at people's lives because usually we get so focused on work and these other things, and we we going going going. But what? How are we being intentional in our life, and how are we leading ourselves? Right. And the four areas I talk about, like, hey, what's your health and wellness look like? What are your goals there? What about you know your affluence and wealth creation activities? You need money so you can have freedom to maneuver. How are your relationships with your 
kids, your significant other? What are you, what skill are you developing? Which makes the cool little mnemonic hard, right? So do hard things, has a purpose, you get your four lines of effort. And I think it's important that people focus equally on themselves so they can show up better in their leadership positions at work and everywhere else that they, that they're needed. Right. So, I think from the perspective of like people, people would ask me that because I would kind of be satisfied, you know, but I had all this going on. I had this company in multiple regions. I was running marathons. I had a family with three kids at home. I'm, I'm the president of the local youth association people. And I mean, I'm, I'm just doing all these things and people will kind of go like, you know, I don't, I don't know how you do it all. You know, I, I'm trying to find work-life balance. And I'd say, I would tell them like, it's not one or the other. It's all of it. Level up, you know, level up and, and get clarity in each of those things. What do you want? And prioritize them, you know, and, and understand that no, work isn't everything. So don't let it be everything and, and find your balance there and at home, you know, because uh, you can. Look, there's plenty of time in the day, man. You know, and it's probably ground zero for you and your clients. You start looking at someone's schedule. I mean, you just find all this opportunity, you know, uh, for, for improvements and helping them get along, you know. Absolutely. You don't realize how much time you actually waste, you know, sh- scrolling social media, watching TV, doing all these other things. Eats up so much time because people ask me too, like, how do you get so much done? Well, I'm, I'm really focused and I just, I, I focus my energy there. I don't spend a lot of time watching TV. Oh. I watch maybe one show a day, if that, that's just at the end of the day to kind of cap the day. I, you know, I'm, I'm focused. I, every, I was talking to uh, the, the uh, Sergeant Major Burke, the previous um, guest. He's Sergeant Major of the uh, second SFAB and he's busy. How does he have time to run the podcast and do all the things that he's doing? And he talks about like, hey, I, you know, on my electronic device, like if I got 15 minutes of downtime, I'm doing work. I'm preparing for that podcast or I'm doing, I'm creating content for the blog or those little, you know, 15 minutes time, you can knock out some work, you know, you can do these things as opposed to scrolling. So it's really like, how are you utilizing your time? And right. is it something that actually matters? Absolutely. I mean, time management's key, knowing what the distractions are. I mean, look, it, again, back to knowing your mission. And if you know what your mission is, and you're scrolling and you just ask yourself, you're scrolling, you're watching Netflix, you're at the bar, you ask yourself one question. Is this serving my mission? Yeah. You know, and you start to cut that crap out real quick. I mean, you're, I'm, I'm with you. I don't watch the news and the noise and my life is so much better, you know, because it wasn't because that was it. It wasn't serving me like, you know, they're both saying something different, you know, one side or the other. You don't know who's true. And by the way, it's not affecting what's going on, what I'm after right this minute, you know, so. Yeah. I was, I could cut that stuff out easy. Something I stumbled on not too long ago that really made me think uh, was that being busy, busy work is a form of laziness because you're probably doing busy things. You know, you should be doing this thing over here that actually matters, but you're consuming your time doing busy things as a form of distraction or escapism. And it's laziness because you know, you should be over here focused on doing this task that you know you don't want to do or, you know, so Stop doing the busy stuff and do the shit that matters. Yeah. I challenged a customer on that last week, actually. You know, it's like, why are you doing that? And they were like, well, I don't know. I was like, I know because you don't want to go address this situation. Does that sound about right? It's like, yeah, actually, <laughs> you are right. I am. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and there's little breakthroughs happen. Absolutely. All right. So uh, next thing I want to ask you about is, uh, so one of the things that caught my ear when you first introduced yourself was you did the four by four by 48, David mm-hmm. Goggins styles. It's running four miles every four hours, for 48 hours. I did it last year to finish up 75 hard. And it was an absolute 
suck fest of epic proportions. Why? So I guess my one of the things that uh, the theme of your life is you're taking on difficult things. You join the Marine Corps. You're, you lean into difficulties. Uh, you're a runner. You're, you've trained for the boss. You don't have to do these things. Why do you do these things? Why are you taking on these difficult challenges and doing these things? How has it improved your life? Um, yeah, so the 4x4x48, four by four by I'll take one step back. I've been training jujitsu for the last 10 years. And, um, and, and for the same reasons, which is work is a heck of a lot easier when you've just gone to battle or, or did something like run 48 miles in 48 hours, like everything else, like you should, you can just, you can take it on so much easier. Right. And, it, and, and I would like at back at, back at work uh, running course, I would joke about that. It's like, man, you know, this meeting's easy. Cause I had a, 220 pound dude, like choking me out on the mats this morning. Right. So, you know, you guys really got nothing for me. And it was really the same thing. That's why I do enjoy kind of hitting these tougher challenges um, for that reason, just to keep yeah, And Goggin sings this all day long. Like if you're mentally tough, like everything else is, is just gets easier, you know? Um, and so, um, and so same thing. I had a buddy who just jokingly sent, I hadn't heard of Goggins and I follow, I, I'm sorry. I hadn't heard of Goggins challenge last year, but I've been following him for last, last year or so read his book, another great book. Um, but uh buddy sends it to me on a text kind of like, kind of like a sends it to me like, Hey, did you see this? And, and then I start doing the math. Like I, I literally kind of take a page out of Goggins book. So then I'm like, that's how, that's what he talks about. Like his pull-up challenge, all that stuff. He just, he just starts doing the math on it. And, uh, Marine Corps buddy had sent it to me and I was, I just start doing the math. I'm like, I th- yeah, I think I can do that. So, so the next day I texted him back and say, Hey man, you know, I was thinking about it. I, it's because it was like three weeks away. I said, I think if I can get this much done next three weeks, I said, I think I can knock because I wasn't really running. I was running just for a little bit of conditioning during the week, but I haven't been long distance in a while. And so he, his response was like, Hey man, I was just kidding. <laughs> you know, I was, he was like, I wasn't trying to, and uh, I ended up talking to him that night and I'm like, now nah, I'm, I'm doing this. And he goes, geez, now I got to do it. And, and then all of a sudden I was in, he was in, my wife was in. Cause then I went inside. I said, man, check this out. This is what I'm getting ready to do. And she goes, I can do that. And, and then she was in. So now we're all doing it, you know, but, um, but yeah. Um, so, and that was it. I just took it one run at a time, you know, um, uh, last minute, you know, kind of seeing what was going on with it. You know, I, I, I ended up raising over $4,000 for, for our local youth association doing it. Um, and um, that was it. And, and something like that, man, you got to take it in, in pieces, right? You know, eat that elephant one bite at a time. Um, that's the way I got through boot camp. I, I'll never forget. I would lay in the rack, looking at the bunk above me, going one more day, you know, just one more day, one more day. And in and, and that run, same thing, just I can run four miles. Four miles is easy, you know. I just got to do it twelve times, you know. And um, for anyone out there who's listening, who's going to do it, my tip on that is just be serious about the recovery between the runs, even in the beginning. You know, don't 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 go sprint it. The, the goal is to finish. You know, it's a, it's a it's a distance run. You know, so if you, any marathoners out there, you know, you're you're running the 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 long run. Um, so. I was, I just paced at 10 minute miles. I mean, my normal miles, you know, low eights. Um, but I knew I'm not going to come out the gate trying to run low eights and stuff. So I just did 10 minute miles each time, just stayed on a consistent pace. 
Um, I would get out afterwards. I was very religious about stretching, about rehydrating and, and taking like Pedialyte stuff to get the actual electrolytes back in me. Um, I would do ice, ice baths um, afterwards as well. And I'd shower. So I would run, eat, drink, shower, sleep, and rinse and repeat, do it again. Yeah. One thing I like to add in doing that, you're going to hit the valley of despair in one of your legs. You're going to have that one leg that you're just going to question your whole existence, want to burn it all to the ground. You're not going to have enough metal fingers. And uh, when did you hit yours? Cause I think I hit mine. I think the second, the, the first night it was the, it was, it was the last leg at night before the dawn of the next day. Probably, oh, I had three legs to go. Yeah, it was like, it was like three o'clock in the morning it was my leg or something like that. And I was just out there by myself like, what am I doing, you know? Yeah, it was definitely the same here. It was like the fifth run, I think it was, that I couldn't run. And I was like, mm, this is not good. Like, it was like that, you know, you're struggling, you're jogging a little bit, and then you're walking a little bit and that's when I started the ice baths because I was like, man, and that, and, and I, I've never been an ice bath guy. Um, I had only recently started messing with it cause I was getting into Wim Hof stuff. I don't know if you've seen any, any of that, but, uh, with the ice man, but I just kind of started reading about that and kind of experimenting with breathing and stuff like that. And, um, I'm like, man, I'm gonna get an ice bath. And then next run after I did the ice bath was just as solid as my second run. And then I was like, okay, after every run I'm back in the tub and, and finished out. I would say, you know, it was tough, but it was way more smoother than I expected to be. And uh, I attribute it to that. Yeah. There I, I doing five minute cold showers as part of the 75 hard additional phases. And we've got a, uh, the, we have spring down here. That's uh, ice bath. I mean, it's, it's cold, freezing cold water coming out of the, the ground. So we'll jump in there for 15 minutes after run, we'll run down in the park that we'll jump in there in the summertime and it's just frigid. It just shocks your body. But I feel so invigorated. Yeah. And it does cut down the recovery time in half every time I do that. It's incredible. And I've done a little bit of the Wim Hof stuff. I need to get more focused on it, but it, I do feel really good doing it. Um, but yeah, uh, a lot of people, I've got a group doing 75 hard and they're worried. They're always concerned about the next phases because you got to take the five minute cold shower. But to your point about, you know, doing these difficult things, I get a lot of gratitude when I suffer a little bit. It makes me very thankful for that warm towel, for that hot cup of coffee, because I've been in situations in my life where I didn't have things. It's just a just a reminder that you know it's okay to be a little uncomfortable, and that right. I can handle things. It just it just develops a little bit of grit and resiliency to enables me to handle with you know a difficult person at work or something. Like I can deal with this shit. You know, I just did four by four by forty eight. You know, I'm a question guy. You know, I can deal with this guy. <laughs> you yeah, know, absolutely. Yeah. These things, they just callous you up a little bit and they, they enable you to give you confidence so you can, you know, uh, use that courage to take bold action and, and, and maneuver through life better. It does. It, it does. It, it, it like the book conversation, it does enable you to help you level up that next bar. I mean, um, you and I, we're not young guys and here we are, you know, doing this stuff. And it's because one, we choose to and, and we can and. The more we do, the more we can. I mean, those guys aren't. I mean, look, names we've dropped like Jocko. He's not a young guy, you know, but he's a he's a monster. You know, he's jujitsu black belt. He's a monster. Goggins, mid forties. You know, the, the stuff he's doing. I mean, like age age is not a factor. You know, you got to keep yourself healthy, right? And hurt yourself, but you know, age is just an excuse, man. You know, I'm, I'm watching these guys, and they're just 
they they lead a great example in that regard, right? It's not like, oh, well, he's 28, so of course he can, of course he can do all that. Oh, man, he's he's 43, 44 years old. Yeah, running 100 miles. I was talking to a buddy of mine that's long about the same age, getting after it just like I am. You know, it's like you are. Uh, and we talk about like, I remember when we were kids, they would have over 40 parties, like balloons over 40, like the 40-year-old over-the-hill party. I couldn't even fathom that now. Like, oh, yeah. I, I don't feel like I'm over the hill. I, yeah, I'm starting to – takes me longer to recover after drink a couple beers and after some workouts. I got to recover a little bit longer. Yeah. Man, I feel like I'm still freaking getting after it. And I would be offended probably someone tried to do that. Like seriously gave me an over 40 party. Like I'm over the hill. I just don't feel it. And right. um, But I do know people my age that do. And it's it's all about how you live and how you show up in your mentality, I think. I, I, I don't know what that is, but I, I'm not slowing down. I don't plan to slow down because I don't want to embrace that mindset. Yeah, I think, um, and, and you can see it, like a lot of people will say, if you look at a, a career serviceman, right, regardless service that has kept an active lifestyle and they're in their, you know, late 30s, early 40s, and you compare them to someone who's not, and they've not been active, like, you can see the difference, like, in the, just their youthfulness, right? And it's it's just got to, you know, got to gotta show, right? Like, just stay busy, you know, keep, yeah. you know, I, I see I see older folks in the area and they they know they they don't want to sit down and stop working. They know they they want to keep doing something, and that and, and we all should. You just keep doing something. There's no reason not to. You know? Yeah, we allow those guys to get out of the service after doing you know a career, and then they quit working out altogether, and they rapidly age. It's almost. And uh, I'm a part of Team Red, White, and Blue, and the whole you know the the mission of Team Red, White, and Blue. It's a veterans organization to get people connected and keep them moving because that's a critical component of being in the military. And a lot of these guys, they get out and they quit working out and they they don't have that level of stress relief and they get, you know, they start aging rather quickly and it's just not good. Right. So it doesn't take much. I mean, you know, it is easy as, as much as 30 minutes a day. Just just do something, you know, and just keep it up. The minute you stop it, it's harder to get back on track. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're just over an hour here. Is there anything else that you want to highlight or talk about? Uh, any any other critical components from the Lions Guide or anything you'd like to share with us? My biggest message to anybody who asked me, man, just be courageous, you know, seek clarity and, and lead. Awesome. Life would be better for it. I like I love it. I love it. Appreciate you taking the time to uh, come on the podcast, share a little bit about your life. And we teased out some of the, the high performance habits that that you have that have enabled your success. And uh so many commonalities. I knew as soon as I, I met you, like, okay, I got I to gotta connect with Dale because he's, he's like my brother from another mother. Same mindset. I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to share with us uh, all the things that, uh, that uh, your life, you know, and, and, and the things that you're doing. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate you. So how, how can people get connect with you? How can they get in contact with the Lion's Guide? Where can we find you? Yeah. So if you go to lionsguide.com, you'll see all the connectors to other, whatever your choice of medium is, whether it's uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, and that's what I've been serving. I've been serving uh, my clients are typically in my capacity that are, they're in a, I, I say a demanding role. You don't need to be in charge of a company or the CEO, but, but you're, you're stressed out because you're in a high demand role, you know, and, 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 or just struggling with your demands in life even, you know, um, and I've been working with those folks, taking them through the high performance habits curriculum and helping them, again, get that clarity they need and, and un- unlock those doors that are holding them back and, and help them, you know, be successful in life. 
Awesome. Well, I'm going to ask my viewers to go check out the Lions Guide, connect with you, and uh, by all means, uh, if there's anything that the uh, the Do Hard Things community can do for you, Dale, let us know. I've got the Facebook group up and running. I don't know. I just started it, so I'm, I want to add my my guests to it to uh, create the community so people can connect and connect with each other and the guests. And uh, thank you for taking the time to uh, to come on today. Yeah, I've seen it. It looks great, man. I, I love the community out there. Getting- everybody on the same page let's yeah, go appreciate it dale so that's uh that's it for this episode of the do hard things podcast for those of you out there keep doing hard things and we'll uh, we'll see you in the next episode <laughs>